Our lesson today comes from Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 21. Hear these words from Paul. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know what I prefer. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel, and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them, this is evidence of their destruction, but of your salvation. And this is God's doing. For He has graciously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for Him as well, since you were having the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, use your servant's lips and your people's ears and hearts, that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. Paul finds himself in this situation where he doesn't know what's going to happen next. Some of you are in that situation right now. Those of you with college students are wondering whether your college students are going to stay the whole semester where they are or whether somebody within six feet of them without a mask is going to test positive and suddenly everybody come back home again. We don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. Paul finds himself in an uncertain time, not unlike the uncertain times that you and I might experience and have experienced in our lives. And so I think looking at the character of Paul is an intriguing uh, example of how we may live as believers, how we may live in the midst of uncertainty. One thing that I love about Paul, and I don't know, this is a little smaller than I wanted it to be, but one of the traditions about Paul is that he is bald. So... I have a particular affection for the uh, images of Paul, and that's about what my hair would look like there on the left. Um, looks like he's wearing a bathrobe, but don't think he is, but uh, that's what my hair would look like, kind of bushy and, and white if uh, I just let it grow out, but uh, Paul... Paul, one of the giants of the faith, in fact, gives us much of the New Testament through his writings, and Paul has more than a hobby interest in Christianity. One of the things about Christianity in our world, one of the things about Christianity in the year 2020 is, while it's not necessarily taken for granted that somebody is a Christian, you don't 
Most people don't look at you like you've grown another head or have three eyes if you are a Christian. You can be a Christian. You can be a hobby Christian. And by that I mean you can come to church on Sunday mornings and go about your week as if God did not exist. You can come to church on Sunday mornings and you can live your life in such a way that it does not glorify Jesus. But for Paul, this whole spreading the gospel thing, this whole transformation on the road to Damascus where he was heading there to persecute Christians and suddenly, aha, he found himself a Christian and he gets there and nobody believes him because they've all heard the rumors that he's come to arrest them. He's going to infiltrate our, our society, they say. And it takes Barnabas vouching for him, saying, yeah, he really is one of us. Don't know what happened there on that road, but he certainly did change. And he changed in such a way that it's more than just a casual thing. Christianity for Paul is more than a hobby. There's a, a place in 2 Corinthians where he describes the things that have happened to him because he's a Christian. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. 40 lashes, well, that would be considered torture. How high can we go? 39. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, Danger from false brothers and sisters. In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked. When Paul became a Christian, life and death became real possibilities for him. It may be that the path that God placed him on would lead to life and the planting of new churches, but at any point during his life, his life in Christ, life and death are real possibilities for Paul. And so he can say in our text for today, it is my eager anticipation and hope, this is actually one verse before the text we read, that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all boldness, listen, Christ will be exalted now as always. Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. Christ as always will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. You might say this is Paul's Hamlet moment when he is deciding to be or not to be, whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing them to die, to sleep no more, and by asleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, is a consummation 
devoutly to be wished. Of course, for Hamlet, this is the contemplation of suicide. Is it better to live in agony or is it better to die not knowing what happens on the other side? And so Hamlet, distressed at life, is fearful of life's ending. Paul's Hamlet moment, though, Paul embraces life in Christ, whatever those difficulties might be, and Paul looks to death unafraid. And so, our text for today begins, For to me living is Christ, and dying is gain. Living is Christ, and dying is gain. What better way is there for us to view this unknown of, of our lives? John, last week, ha- had a graphic, a graphic that, that began with, with birth and ended with, with death, and there's this whole space in between where we get the opportunity to know God, to love God, to seek God, to find the God who wishes to be found by us. We don't know when that end is. Maybe sooner than we think. It may, in fact, be farther off than we would imagine. But what if we lived in such a way that we knew? We knew that if we woke up tomorrow, we could bless the world. We could share in the world's joys. We could encourage those who are down. What if we knew that our lives matter to such a degree that when we wake up tomorrow morning, to live is Christ? And what if we lived in such a way that if we didn't wake up tomorrow morning, we knew that Christ Himself would still be ours? I love what Paul says, if I am to live in the flesh, it means fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which I prefer. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Either way, in a life of difficulties that would even lead to martyrdom, Paul intends to glorify God in his body whether he lives or dies. Paul intends to glorify God in his body whether he lives or dies. He goes on to say that he believes he's going to live because if he lives, he can be an encouragement to the Philippian church. He can see their growth and their joy in Christ. And so he says, I'm convinced that given the uncertainty of whether uh, I am going to die because of my faith or whether I am going to continue to live, given that uncertainty, I believe God is going to let me live for your sake. But life or death, either way, I am going to glorify God in my body. Paul says. Now, the other half of this is in the Philippian church itself. Whether I come to you and can see this firsthand, 
or whether I just get to hear about it from reports that I hear of your faith, of your hope, of your love. Either way, in Paul's presence or Paul's absence, the Philippian church is to glorify God. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or whether I am absent and hear about you, either way, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel. No matter what happens, lead lives worthy of Jesus. The call to us today in an uncertain world, the call to us today and the fact is that none of us have ever known what tomorrow would hold. We've seen surprise after surprise in our lifetimes. There have always been things that we didn't anticipate that have sneaked up behind us and caught us unawares. It's just that these things are happening more and more, off, more, and more frequently than they were before. But what we are told again and again in the Scripture is this. No matter what happens, lead lives worthy of Jesus. And just as a demonstration that Paul is somewhat obsessed with this particular idea, look at where else it comes out in the Scriptures. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. As you know, we dealt with each one of you like a father with his children, urging and encouraging you and pleading that you lead a life worthy of God. Turn to Colossians. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we've not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? So that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, as you bear fruit in every good work. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul, once again, in, in prison, he says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This idea that we live for Christ, we die for Christ, and that everything in between is for the glory of Christ, and that we are called to lead a life that is worthy of God's love for us, a life that is lived in response to God's love for us. It's a serious matter in the New Testament. It's a serious matter that we go into the world and that we glorify God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so this afternoon, when you are sitting on your porch looking at nature and drinking coffee, John loves to talk about next steps. We are all taking next steps. We are all looking for the next thing that we can do in obedience, in faith, in love. This afternoon, think about what your next step is in living a life that is fully and totally and completely given to God. What's your next step in leading a life that is worthy 
of Jesus. The fact that you woke up today, the fact that those of you who are watching online are tuned in with us today means that God has given you the gift of life, another day, another opportunity to love, another opportunity to encourage, another opportunity to be strong, another opportunity to take a next step toward giving our whole lives to Jesus. Another opportunity. We don't know where we are along that timeline from birth to death. Either way, Paul says, if I live, I live to the glory of God. If I die, I offer myself to the glory of God. And we who follow Jesus are offered the opportunity to live and to die for the glory of the Lord in whatever we do. However we love. However it is that God is calling us to obedience. We can live and love and obey in such a way that our lives are given to the glory of God. And so today, when you get some time alone or make some time alone, think of the next steps in your leading a life that glorifies God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Maybe that means how you behave at work. Maybe that means the person that has gotten on your last nerve and every time you unload the dishwasher, I don't know why it is unloading the dishwasher, but but some people just get really angry unloading the dishwasher. And they replay again and again some scenario in in which they have been wronged and, and, and certainly make up some kind of retaliatory Uh, response that can be given. Let, Let go. So that your life may be glorifying to God. Let go when the person who has gotten on your last nerve strikes again. Let go when you are tempted to hate and not love. And either way, Either way, whether we live or die in Christ, we may lead lives that are worthy of Jesus. What are your next steps? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.